Well, good morning again. It's great to have you here. If you're joining us online, we are thrilled to have you as well. Uh, this is the second to last Sunday of our message series called Thriving Through the Holidays. And again, as Elizabeth mentioned last night, it was a great event, uh, kind of kicking off the Christmas portion of the holidays and just a really great way to have this incredible tree lighting and lots of people there and amazing volunteers and staff that jumped in to make that happen. So uh, again, thank you for those of you that were a part of that. Uh, but during this series, what we're attempting to do is we're trying to look at how do we not just survive the months of November and December, but how do we really thrive through them? How do we really get the most of it and not really allow what can a lot of times be stressful to really take us out, but to come out of it on top? And so what we've talked about, we've talked about the importance of, of letting go of stuff, like the accumulation of stuff and all the things that we want to have. We've talked about moving past bitterness. We've talked about working through distractions in life. We've talked about giving up control of the things that we can't really control. And what we know and what we've seen is if you and I are going to thrive, if we're going to thrive through the holidays and ultimately thrive through life, we have to begin to choose to focus on what's truly important. We have to really remind ourselves of what matters most and then allow those things to really percolate into our lives. Now, you may know this about me. Um, some of you may, maybe you don't. I don't know. I have never seen the original Star Wars. Collective gasp, I know. Now, I have seen one of the newer ones, but it was a part of a deal that I made with somebody else to see a movie that I wanted to see, and so I went to that one. I fell asleep. But anyway, um, I, not because it's a bad movie. I just fall asleep in every movie. But anyway, here's what I know about Star Wars. It's a bit confusing. Not the movies themselves, but, but the whole order of the movies is a bit confusing, right? I mean, growing up forever, there was just the three original movies, right? That's all I knew growing up. I, growing up, I never saw them. I just knew that there was movie one, two, and three, and that was it. And then all of a sudden, several years ago, movies one, two, and three suddenly become movies four, five, and six, because all of a sudden they roll out some new movies, and now those become one, two, and three, and then there's four, five, and six, which was always one, two, and three, and then they throw in seven, eight, and nine. No, it's not simple at all. And now it's even got crazier. Now they're putting out movies that are like 2.5, and then there's 8.75, and now with Disney Plus, there's The Mandalorian. Where does that thing fit? And then there's the argument about what is canon. And honestly, probably the best movie of the whole thing is the Ewok movie. I actually saw that one. <laughs> I have no idea why. All of that to say this. The Christmas story is a bit like that. I mean, there's the story that most people know. There's the story that's on the Christmas cards, right? Where there's the, there's the little baby that's born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger with animals all around, and shepherds, and wise men, and probably a star. And oftentimes, we look at that, and we just assume that that story is episode one. But, but really, that story is more like episode four. And the story that we looked at last week, where Mary gets told that she's going to be pregnant and have a baby, and it's going to be God's son, like that's sort of episode three. And this morning, what I want to do is we're going to go even further in the past, and we're going to look at what might be argued as episode one of the Christmas story. And part of the reason that I wanted to go backwards, and I wanted to go more into the past of this story, is this morning I really want to talk about if we're going to thrive through the holidays, a huge part of that is learning how to get beyond our past. There was that, that moment 
or that situation or that, that decision or that event that has really defined who you are. That, that moment where you did something or something was done to you that's prevented you from becoming fully capable of who God intended for you to be. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read a whole bunch of the story, and then we're going to see what we can dig out of that. But before we dive into that, I need to kind of give you some context so you know what we're talking about. This particular story happens six months, six months prior to the angel coming and speaking to Mary, and Mary hearing, out, hearing that she's about to become pregnant. And the characters in the story are actually Mary's cousin named Elizabeth and Elizabeth's husband named Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is a priest, and both Zechariah and, and Elizabeth, they're getting older. And as they're getting older, they still don't have children, and they wanted to have children, but they're not having kids, and it doesn't even look like it's ever going to happen. So as I mentioned, Zechariah is a priest in the local temple, and he goes to work one day, and he's just doing what he always does, and as he's working in the temple, an angel shows up. That's where we pick it up. It's going to be on the screen. It's in your message notes. whole bunch of reading. Follow along. It says this, While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Woo, that's exciting news, right? I mean, Zechariah has been praying for this, and he's been waiting for this, and the angel comes and says, you are about to have a son, and you're not just going to have any son. This dude's going to be a, he's going to be a legendary your boy, he's going to be a big-time thing. People are going to be talking about him before he even gets here. And in this moment, Zacharias, we're about to read, does something that's probably going to haunt him for the rest of his life. Because Zechariah does something that oftentimes we do where we believe in that statement that no question is a dumb question. <laughs> Don't buy into that. There are some questions that are dumb questions. Listen to what Zechariah says. It says, Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure that's going to happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well... Notice how he says well along in years. <laughs> he's the, I'm old. My wife's just well along in years. So he's not completely dumb. <laughs> now, I don't think we truly get just how much sarcasm is in his words right there. He is literally mocking an angel. An angel has just arrived and gives him news, and he's like, uh, you're wrong. And if you're not sure if I'm making that, you're like, uh, I don't think you... Read what happens next. Listen to this. It says, the angel said, I am Gabriel, <laughs> in case you missed it. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Oh, oh boy. Gabriel didn't even go back and get permission. 
He's just like, oh, you don't believe? If you've ever said something that you regretted, if you ever did something and immediately you're like, I want that back, you know exactly how Zachariah is feeling in this moment. Now, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing this is a little bit of a gift for Elizabeth. I mean, for nine months, all her husband could do is just listen, right? So, so she can complain all she wants. She, he can't gripe. He can't be like, dinner was late tonight. Nothing. Elizabeth, if she has a special Chick-fil-A run, you know, like maybe a pregnant lady might have, or peanut butter ice cream, Zechariah can't argue. She's like, I need this. He's like, okay. And for Zechariah, for nine months, every time he has something he wants to say or something he wants to share, regret at his decision. For nine months, he is going to think about his mistake. He's going to kick himself for that moment where he doubted the angel and ran his mouth. And what happens so often in our lives is that in a moment... Your past can create a false reality. In just a moment, you just say one thing, you just do one thing, and all of a sudden, the tricky thing about your past is that it doesn't always stay in the past. Maybe for you, there's that that maddening cycle of sin where there's that thing that you say to yourself over and over again, I'm not going to do it, I won't do it, nope, I'm not going to do it, not going to do it, nope, 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 nope. I did it, dang it. Maybe it's a similar thing to Zachariah. Maybe, maybe you've lost your temper, and all of a sudden you said some words, and you lashed out, and, oh, I wish I could have that back. They're never going to forget what I said. Ugh. Maybe you betrayed a friend, somebody trusted in you, and, and you did something that and you betrayed, and, and you're just not sure you're ever going to be able to take the steps necessary to, to be able to move forward again. Maybe it was your own expectations of yourself. And how you thought life would look like. And, and you woke up this morning and you look at your life and you're like, oh, that's not the way I thought it was going to go. This is not good. This is not what I anticipated. Because our past doesn't oftentimes stay in the past. It's sort of like there's a door. That when you open up that door to your past, you can't go through it. You can't go back and change it. But when you open it up, it's like the winter is on the other side of that. And the cold winter air still blows through and you can still remember it. And when our past begins to blow through and that cold wind begins to blow, there's some false realities that we can buy into. And the first false reality is this. We can truly begin to think that you are unforgivable. Like it feels like I've done too much. Or or maybe it feels like you didn't do enough. And that failure begins to create this ability like, well, I I could never be forgiven. It's too much. And when that false reality of feeling unforgivable starts to roll around in our heads, then we start to buy into the next false reality. And the next false reality is that you're unlovable. Ah, if people really knew who I was. I mean, if the people sitting around you really knew who you were at your core. If people knew how you just spoke to your spouse this morning. People knew, I'm not sure they could love me. And because you feel unforgivable and because you feel unlovable and because we start to buy into those false realities, it pours into the last false reality that you are useless. Because of what you've done in your past, it feels like there is no future. 
Maybe an angel came and told you that God was going to bless you with a baby, and you responded sarcastically, and now you can't talk. Maybe that happened for you. <laughs> or, or maybe you look at, and you just think, well, God's never going to allow me to be a part of a healthy family because of what I've done in the past to my family. Or maybe you feel like God's no, never going to allow you to become physically healthy because of choices that you've made in the past. Or how could God ever use me? How could ever God ever do something in my life because of the choices that I made? And our past continues to whisper these lies like a cold, bitter wind that just blows through our day. And then when we step into the holidays and we start spending time with family and we start having celebrations together, it sort of highlights these feelings even more during this time of the year. And so what we have to understand and what we have to begin to come to grips with is that if you can't let go of your past, you can't take hold of your future. And the great news is, is that Jesus doesn't want to leave us holding on to our past. Instead, he wants to come along and say, let me help you see what your future can be. And for Zechariah, he is going through one of the roughest moments He's just questioned a message from God. This will be a dark mark in his past. Because what the angel said actually came true. Elizabeth gets pregnant. And when Elizabeth gets pregnant, Zechariah has a choice. He can either wallow in his mistakes. He can either carry around that shame forever for the next nine. I mean, for the next nine months, everybody is going to notice the priest that can't talk. Right? I mean, imagine all the times that people are like, hey, so why, why again can't you talk? And then, then Zachariah gets to act it out over and over. You know, like, uh, angel came in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Angel was talking to you, and then you got an angel pregnant. And then, and then you said something snarky, and you zipped your lips, and he's like, yes. <laughs> well, yeah. It was not going to be easy for Zachariah to get past his past. But instead of just staying locked into his past, he decided to take what the angel said. And he decided to choose to hold on to his future and move beyond the past. And listen to what happens next. It says this. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. Oh, fun. But they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There is no one in all of your family by that name. So they used gestures, apparently he's deaf as well, so they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And instantly, Zachariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Zachariah's like, I'm not missing it this time. Baby, I don't know what's going to happen next, but I am not getting this part wrong. And he's like, I messed up when the angel came. But when it's time to name the kid, I'm going to nail it. And what everybody is saying is, hey, you should cling to your past. You should name him after your family. Like, let's go back in history. And he's like, no way. I'm looking to my future. I'm not going to be limited by my past anymore. He's like, name the baby John. We are not discussing this. There is no debate. I am moving forward. His name is John. And in the moment when he says the name is John, in that moment he lets go of his past. There's no more kicking himself. There's no more beating himself up. He's like, his name is John. We're moving forward. I'm going to take hold of my future. 
And there's a chance for some of you, as you sit in, this, in the room this morning, you know that you treated somebody poorly. Or maybe there's a chance that you just took something that wasn't yours. M maybe you cheated on your taxes and nobody knows. Maybe you got to the line at the clerk and you said, you know, this item was on the clearance rack, and it wasn't. Maybe a DUI, maybe you were abused, maybe there's a bad habit that's got the best of you. And your past is holding on and you're struggling to let go so you can grab on to your future. And it doesn't mean that those consequences or there's not the, from the decisions that we made, it doesn't mean we're just free and clear of those. What it means is we can't keep beating ourselves up over it. If we just keep regretting our past, it's going to hold us there. And so what we have to do is we have to let go of our past so we can begin to face our future and take a hold of what it can be. And really what we need to understand is to begin to recognize that although you can't change your past, God can change your future. I mean, for Zechariah, the past hasn't changed. He still said what he said. He still doubted the message of the angel. It didn't change the past, but he decided to trust God and trust God's plan and recognize that God could see a greater result in the future. And so Zechariah let go of the past and allowed God to begin to change his future and allowed him to begin to speak again. God gave him a chance to, to raise a boy who was going to be somebody great. Listen to what happens next. God changes his future, and notice what goes on amongst the people. It says, awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. No doubt for years to come, as John was growing up, his dad spoke to him often. And probably every time Zachariah spoke to his son, he was thankful that God gave him his voice back. Because Zechariah was able to, to speak into his son and, and describe to him what it means to know who, what, what God is all about and to have a relationship with him. And, and Zechariah now had the ability to speak and pour words of wisdom into his boy. Teaching him what it was to care about people. Teaching him how to communicate in powerful ways. Teaching him and explaining to him that the world was going to need a savior and the world was going to need to enter, or savior was going to need to enter the world. And John was going to grow up, and if you know the story, he becomes John the Baptist. And John the Baptist clears the way and prepares the way for the arrival of Jesus. For the start of Jesus' ministry, John is the one that is saying, somebody is coming, he is going to be great, you've got to pay attention to this. And at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, John actually baptizes Jesus. And as Jesus comes out of the water, it's a moment for God to truly reveal, this is my son that has come to earth. All of it ultimately pouring out of Zechariah's willingness to let go of his past, to pour into his future, to rise, grow up his son, to begin to prepare the way for Jesus to show up. And if you and I are going to accept that we can't change our past, and if we're actually going to let go of our past, but instead we're going to grab hold of our future and grab hold of what God can change, there's four truths that we have to embrace. Four things that we need to recognize. The first one is this. God's grace is bigger than your sin or whatever it is in your past. It doesn't matter what your past is. Whatever you've done, whatever's been done to you, God's grace is enough to handle it. 
And the reason that God's grace is big enough to handle it and deal with anything in your past is because of the fact that Jesus came, he died on the cross to pay for any sin in your past. He also rose from the dead and defeated death, meaning that you and I have the power to overcome anything that's been done to us in our past. And ultimately, the fact that he died and rose again trumps everything. So that affair that seems too great, God's grace is enough to forgive. And that bankruptcy because you were spending money on cars and vacations and electronics that weren't really necessary, God's grace is enough to forgive. And, and not showing up to help your friends that you promised you would help, God's grace is enough to forgive. If you laughed at an angel who brought a message from God, God's grace is enough to forgive. Maybe there was some pain created because your parents didn't do or provide what your parents should have done and provided. God's grace is enough to fill the void that exists. Maybe there's disappointment because your kids have not embraced what you value. And you feel like you failed as a parent. God's grace is enough to restore the value you see in yourself. Maybe there's a sense of abandonment because a spouse left claiming you weren't enough. God's grace is enough to forgive them and to forgive yourself. And God's grace is enough to move forward in the freedom that he wants to provide. And when you and I begin to embrace our freedom, it's based on God's grace. And because of God's grace, now you're standing with God is determined by relationship, not rules. And going forward, it's not about doing everything right. And it's not about hitting all of the marks. It's not about living completely perfectly. Because if it was all about rules, you and I would miss it all the time. We would fall short over and over and over again. And Zechariah didn't break a rule. Zechariah broke a relationship. Because he chose not to trust in that moment. And then nine months later, he had an opportunity for trust to be restored. And it led to one of the most pow powerful, influential people being born, leading the way, opening the door where all of us could enter into a relationship with God. And as you and I move forward in our future and we hand it to God and we begin to say, God, what do you want to do with me? God, help me be able to approach this. God, not because I need stuff from you or not because I want stuff from you, because I, but I want to know you and I want to understand you. I want to love you. And the more that you and I know and understand and love God, the greater our chances are to respond to him based on the, the, what he wants to do in our future. And the beauty of that reality of a relationship with God is that through that, God saves you from your past so that you can step into your future. And honestly, the number of stories within this church of people that are living that out is remarkable. We have men that go to this church that, that were for a time addicted to pornography that decided, you know what, that's not the way I want to live. And so they ask God, would you save me? Would you, would you help me set parameters in my life? Would you help me create boundaries in my life that will safeguard my choices? And now not only have they moved beyond and, and are still working through or, or overcoming that pornography, now they're pouring back into other men, saying, let me help you step into your future and become free of that guilt and that regret of pornography. Women that go to this church that, that have struggled because they, they gave themselves sexually to some guy that thought, they loved, that thought that he loved them. And then he got bored and walked away. And now those ladies have been able to establish their value because of who God views them as, not because of what they can give. And then they've turned around and they've, they've stepped into their future and they're helping other ladies discover their value. 
after they were used by some guy that didn't care and didn't treat them in the way that they deserved. It could be anything. It could be whatever it is that you need to overcome. And, and God wants to help, help you see what your true value can be and help you step into your future. Whatever it might be, God wants you to see what that is, and maybe you have to live differently. Maybe you have to set new boundaries, whatever it is. If you and I want to thrive through the holidays, if we want to discover how to move past our past, what we can't miss, we can't get beyond the fact that your story is not a story about failure, but about God's victory. Some of you know this story about me, and, uh, but it just fits too well not to tell it again. Um, when I was hired here at the church back in 2000, they hired me as the youth pastor. And so um, the first night that I was here, it was like this big night. And they brought in all the students that were going to the church here. And they brought in my, uh, all of their parents came and my boss came. And there's like 40 or 50 people. And they were up in the youth room and it was packed. And it was this big night and they were all excited. I don't I mean, I was like, oh, you guys are too excited about nothing. But anyway, they introduced me and they're like, okay, when you come on stage, we just need you to, you're just going to talk for about 15 minutes, kind of do this introductory thing and help people know who you are. And, and so I was like, okay. And so I got ready and, I, and I, I started the whole talk and I led into this idea about how much I love shoes. And I talked about how many pairs of shoes I have and how every shoe has a purpose. And I went on and on for multiple minutes about how much I like shoes. And after I was all done talking about shoes, I froze. I could not remember anything else that I was going to say. Nothing was coming to mind. Nothing was coming out of my mouth. I basically became Zachariah. Right? I just, I just stood there for what seemed like forever, staring at people that were staring back at me, including my boss, who was sitting right about here, just like, oh my goodness, I'm not impressed. Whew. Eventually what I said was, that's all I got. <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say. I have no idea where that lead-in was going. So whoever or whatever is next, I guess you're up. <laughs> hey, if you go back to that room 19 years ago and say, hey, good news, someday that guy's going to be your teaching pastor. <laughs> uh, try again. But through a lot of refining by God and a lot of hard work and God guiding and God leading and me leaning into God more than ever for strength and ability every week to be able to do what it is that he calls me to do. It's not a story of failure. And it's not a story about me. If it was a story about me, I'd have knocked it out of the park that night and people would have been like, he's going to be the thing. It was about God's victory and what he was able to do in me and through me. And your story doesn't have to be one of failure. When you lean into God and you lean into his purpose and what he wants to do in your relationship with him. And how he wants to work through your life and bring victory where it seems like there's a failure. So what's your next step going to be? And every week we challenge you to think through what is it that you need to do based on what it is that you've heard this morning. So for you, what's your next step? Maybe your next step is to determine the false reality that you tend to allow your past to say about you. Maybe that you're unforgivable, unlovable, or useless. Maybe your next step is to decide what in your past you need to own and then decide to move beyond that. Maybe this next week you need to let God reveal His grace in ways that are bigger than your past. And maybe your next step is to choose one step, one thing you'll do this week 
help you move forward in your story. Whatever it is, I would just challenge you to respond to whatever Jesus is saying to you this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for how you work in our lives and what you do in our lives. And God, that you want to allow us and help us move past our past. That you want to allow us to be able to to step into our future and recognize that you want to change what we can become and be so much more than, than what our past might say that we will be. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for all the ways that you work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.